Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Product Coffee, a podcast where product management leaders share stories, advice, and thoughts on all things product over a cup of coffee. Grab a cup of joe and join us to level up your product career 30 minutes at a time. This is a more nebulous topic to talk about, but we're going to discuss essentially the problem space. How do you kind of build that up over time in your product department as a product manager so that you can empathize, understand those needs, customer needs, underserved needs that you're building for on a day-to-day more than you do today, right? I I feel like a lot of companies, especially smaller startups, a CEO or the founding team probably has the most context where they're learning. They've spent the most time trying to solve this problem. They have spent the most time with this customer base. And then when you start to scale and grow, how do you share that context and get to those same understandings or new ones based on landscape changes and what have you? I know that's going all over the place, but maybe the first question would be, How have you seen companies like startups that are growing share that context out to the employees or new hires? Sharing context, I always feel like is a pretty big part, but it's kind of, I think you hit on a pretty important point, which is how do you not only share the context, but get people to like build empathy with the context or to like truly understand it. And I feel like a lot of that comes from self-discovery. Giving a personal example, anytime you switch companies, right? When I switched over to spec it, you know, they can kind of tell you an orientation. They can tell you in the decks that you read, like who your target audience segment is, but yeah. it's not really until you like walk their walk or talk the talk or like actually communicate with them that you actually start to really see what that is like firsthand, mm-hmm. right? Like you all have your assumptions of what that means, but mm-hmm. not until you really get into that customer world, maybe kind of to that point, Evan, it's kind of like. Have you worked out a good way to help people quickly build the customer empathy Mm. beyond just sharing it to them or telling them what it is? The easy answer is to get in a room with them, right? I mean, the easy answer is to go interview them. But then again, like, how do you structure these things? There's so many ways to interview and to extract that context. One of the ones I've been more fascinated with is the jobs to be done, Clayton Christensen approach to user statements, problems and needs and core jobs and use cases that your product is solving for. And I'm kind of going deep in a lot of ways, a lot of good insights around how to interview customers to extract that information. I've kind of found that fascinating. There's no, there are some like scripts associated with it, which I'm looking at. There's ways to build personas based on the jobs that I like. Um, and I've done this in various ways before. In the broad sense, I think something along those lines gets you there. But uh, trying to figure out how that works for your situation is always a journey, I think. You always kind of just got to experiment and fine tune. Going through some of the frameworks and doing the deep dive. What do you kind of hope to get out of it for your team and for your company at the moment? 
What I want to get out of it for the team and the company is more of either reassurance of the existing strategy or an informed new strategy. So basically we want to move away from that intuitive strategy to a more customer data-driven strategy. Here's an interesting question for you. How do you avoid the the bias, right? Like Mm -hmm. a lot of people get stuck into, you know, the world that that they're in, right? And you you believe something for so long, maybe since you're onboarding yeah. materials, how mm-hmm. do you break people out of that bias to actually look differently? Because I, I feel like confirmation bias is actually what a lot of research ends up doing for people. How so? Let's say that you assume that a user problem is there, right? Mm-hmm. And you assume this partially because you've been told it, you've been beaten through it, and you've kind of looked at your own data 50 million ways to confirm that that's really the thing. One of the fallacies that I've seen a lot of times when people are doing user research is that they're not looking at like the broad spectrum of the problem. They're really just going, how can I use this research to confirm something that I already believe? Yeah. And that's where I think the jobs to be done framework really helps with that. The user research in that respect, you're not validating a solution to an existing assumed problem. You're trying to set back to the situation that that individual was in when they incurred a problem or was attempting to do a function or a job and get to that root cause of their motivation and then the expectation of their outcome that they're trying to have. In that case, you're really extracting anything from a specific solution that you're trying to validate to really focusing it on the task at hand or that situation as best as possible. So instead of leading the questioning around, you have this problem, right? (laughs) It's not that leading type of interview question that leads to that confirmation bias. It's tell me the last time that you had to go do X, Y, and Z. And then walking them through that scenario and understanding their decision criteria throughout that journey is really fascinating. How do you ask the right questions to not be leading in that moment and just extract the content and the context as much as you can to then inform decisions around marketing copy, around product decisions. It comes down to how you conduct the research and then how do you distill the research and share out the research because everyone can't research, right? And I think product managers and product designers are in the position where they can do that or they should be doing that on a weekly basis in some shape or form. And, you know, not everyone in the business or the company can. And so I think they can take the lead of extracting that information to then inform the others. Um, I'm curious to see, like, what were the use cases for you where this type of interviews or these research efforts fell down? I'll give you an example. So I, I've used a lot, of, I've used a lot of these things in the past to really teach people about, like, separating ourselves from the problems that we already know of from the business and trying to explore new things, right? Like what's something new that we could do. And I say that because with any business, it can be really easy to get into a feature race, you know, where we just go build the next feature, build the next feature, build the next feature, <laughs> instead of like taking a zoom out and reevaluating the market and then the users in that market and what they're truly expecting of their products. Mm. I'll give you kind of an interesting example. When I was at Ibotta and I was looking through some of the direct-to-consumer stuff, one of the areas, and this goes to your jobs to be done piece, right? One of the areas that I felt like we always missed on was building a grocery list. And it was like people were doing this simple task 
we were kind of allowing them to do about 20% of it, just search for deals, but we weren't really giving them the ability to do that. We weren't really competing in that space. And so I was kind of like, when we were doing this exercise, I was encouraging people and we did kind of a similar run on a whiteboard, like, tell me all the things that are related tasks mm, to what yeah. we're doing today that we could build functionality into to now grab a new market segment, to grab a new, to engage a user in a meaningful way, to do something else. And so kind of in your point to the jobs to be done, like one of the jobs to be done was make a grocery list. But it was something we never really thought about mm. or we never really explored. So kind of at the time that I was leaving, I'd done a working session with a bunch of our PMs and using a similar I guess, framework style approach, it was all around how can we expand beyond like where we're at today in this narrow focus and how can we think about new areas, mm -hmm. adjacent markets, market verticals, horizontal markets that we could go into if we simply adjusted our, our behavior and our product a little bit. One of the takeaways that I learned from this exploration recent one was they want to do the job in one place or like all the activities around the job in one place. They want one thing to do that. They don't want to necessarily go bounce around and, and do X, Y, Z and all these different platforms and, and tools and thinking about grocery shopping, which job are you kind of focusing that research and strategy around? Is it just the job around saving money or earning money? Or is it the job yeah. around getting the best deal on a shopping trip or something. There's so many questions that go into that strategy too. If we do take that approach, then you kind of start to narrow, potentially narrow your market size to just an industry as opposed to another broader market. But I do think yeah. looking at who, instead of like designing for everyone, being very intentional about who you're designing for, looking at the customers that are using the product today and what do they do and what are we helping them with? then expanding that way makes a lot more sense than just trying to find a yeah. new market from scratch. It's all relative to the business that you're in. Sometimes you're attempting to create a better ex user experience based on what you already have. Sometimes you're trying to expand market share and then look down market a little bit and change things up. Yeah. I think that's kind of the interesting piece is finding ways to coach others using frameworks mm. is a good you know, general practice, because the more exploration you can do, I guess this gets to a point about being a PM, right? This type of exploration is not something that should happen once like right, a year. Right. It's not like the thing like, oh, my manager showed up today and was like, hey, guys, let's do this really cool exercise. It's like, no, we really need to like, this should be part of your, your job, right? Like kind of looking at existing product, how we're making it better through the jobs to be done looking at the mm. market and where our product sits in mm. the in the bigger spectrum of jobs to be done, right? And then moving into different areas. Yeah. I think that assessment of the problem space and how that feeds into the strategy is like, how, how do we actually build that as a muscle as opposed to like an afterthought or something that is done once a year or something? This is kind of helping put some language to it or maybe a, a, a framework or process to try a new space out or to try a different approach to do accomplishing that, which I like. So I've been more fascinated with different techniques within that framework to get that information. Have you ever in your product strategy tried to assess a customer's jobs to be done and start to articulate that? What was that process like for you? I'm actually kind of going through it right now a little bit. 
And we're going through it in the context of really trying to help find better product market fit. And as a result, like we're asking ourselves the questions around what does it take for people to truly learn in a working environment? There's a lot of jobs to be done. Compliance. We need to ensure that the business is compliant. That's a job to be done for software. We need to ensure that people can find some of the data that they're looking for. As a result, we're kind of going through this process right now of attempting to find the most lucrative jobs to be done inside of our product space in order for us to be able to drive the strategy into a more aggressive growth pattern. The strategy guys, yeah. Tony Ulwick, he talks about focusing on the biggest underserved needs in those jobs yes. or those outcomes. So as you're starting to conduct these interviews, you start to get that map out of, right, here's the jobs, here's the underserved needs. Here's the most ignored underserved needs. And then really focusing in on those needs for that customer. I'm curious. So when you're now that you're going through that, how does that kind of look? Like, how do you get the data? How do you do the comparison? Anything that you can share about that process? So getting the data, let's start there. That's a really good one. There's, I would say a few ways to look at that. And it's about kind of doing, I would say doing all of these things. So the first would be like, Okay, understanding our user data. And in my opinion, that there's three segments, at least for our product, that would be the end users. What are they trying to accomplish? Like people who are supposed to be using your software or your product every single day, what are they trying to accomplish? The next thing would be the buyer, right? If you're in a B2B SaaS market like us, it's also what is the buyer of the software attempting to accomplish? And sometimes those are two very different Mm -hmm. things. So it's important to know both of those of your existing population. And I would say also ask your question, who's being the most successful at it inside of your software area? Like which of your customers are just so successful using your product and why are they that successful? That's like the first part of like internal. And then I think there's an external metric, which is what market are we trying to target right now? Like who's our customer archetype? And what does it take for us to convince new people to be in that market? So talking with sales and talking with the people who are on the front lines of that every Mm. day and understanding what they're doing to actually get product in the hands of these others is also very critically important. And then there's the last piece, which is external non-contact market data. And this would be regional or global industry trends where you can look at things from a macro perspective and see if the market that you guys are positioned in is truly growing, who is in that market, what are the adjacent markets, and then what are products and competitors doing in both your market and adjacent markets? I'd call that kind of your external research, right? You're trying to take a global view and say, well, we're not just better than our competitors. Like, well, who are they? What are they doing so well? Why are people buying them? And what does it take for us to either move into their space, outseat them, Mm or anything else. So I would say that's the, any good product strategy, or at least where we're at, you got to think about all yeah. of those. You can't just pick one. You touched on a lot of those interesting points. There. Let's give some homework out to our listeners. There's some good stuff here. I yeah. think we're kind of going in a lot of different avenues. What kind of homework would you give to the listener this week? Oh man, I think he might have to go first. I don't <laughs> think about this first. <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> so well, since I'm I'm hot on the trail here, there's two interesting resources that, that I've used in the past and then I'm also re- revisiting. One 
the Figma Fig Jam community, if you search user persona template, jobs to be done, who put this together? Credit Kushi Lungkad. I think that's how to pronounce their name. Oh man, that's tough. They have this user research template and jobs to be done mixed with a classic user persona. That one is really interesting to me. They have typical jobs to be done statement when, and then I want to, so I can. And then they have the competitor section, which Lou just touched on around who are your direct competitors, secondary, and then indirect. This is a good framework to kind of share this takeaway and information. And then the only other homework that I had there, any Tony Olwick, I think he was on the lead product meetup with Dan Olson. So there's a good video there. And I had a live jobs to be done interview by Invest TV. It's called jobs to be done interview. And they did a live demo of what that looks like and what they would pause and stop at each question and try to explain what they got from the response. That one was huge. I really like that one. That was top of mind. Yeah. What do you have? Lee? I think overall, what I'd ask people to do is think about the stage of your company and what, and what problem you're trying to solve that's most critical for the business first. And then ask yourself, which area do I need to focus on? Do I need to focus on how do I build out the most effective user journey with what we have today? Or do I need to evaluate larger market opportunities? And I would say that's the first thing I would do is decide what phase you're in and where you need to apply this. And then that, use that to help shape your thinking of the types of research and things you need to get done. Thanks, Lou. Appreciate your time. Thanks for the insights. Looks like we finished up for coffee, so go level up. This has been Product Coffee, produced and engineered by me, Kevin Gentry. Through our podcast partner, Anchor, you can now record a voice message and send us ideas or topics to cover. And who knows, we might end up playing it on the show. You can also become a supporter of Product Coffee by contributing a monthly donation to help us sustain future episodes. Please rate, review, and subscribe to Product Coffee on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.